Aloha and welcome. You're listening to Soul, your host for Pay Me What I'm Worth Talk Radio. Imagine me bowing in gratitude before you for taking the time to join us on a special journey. Did you miss a week? No worries. Listen to all of our prior shows at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. Again, bit.ly forward slash pay radio. To get one reminder of our next show, be sure to click on the follow button up at the top of the page. And now it's time to sit back and to learn along with the rest of us. Get ready to meet some amazing souls as they make real changes in daily life. I recommend you find some notepaper, then get ready to enjoy a few ahas as you listen to this show. I'm delighted and thrilled to introduce you to Christina Irvin, team leader for Team Clarity. Hello, I'm Christina Irvin, and I'm happy to extend this special invitation for you to eavesdrop on Team Clarity's discussion as we dive into the next exercise of Pay Me What I'm Worth. Next, let's meet the rest of the team. Hello, this is Chelsea Wells from the mountains of Tennessee. Have a blessed day. Hi, this is Marcia Sertino, and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Hello, and welcome from the gorgeous state of Wisconsin. This is Patty Anderson. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Julia Cologne from the city that never sleeps, New York City. Team Clarity members share their class time with us for two main reasons. Reason number one, they want those they hold near and dear to know about the changes that they're making on multiple levels. As they change, by listening to these classes, people who know Team Clarity members may opt to change along with them. Reason number two, to share their stories with you. I bet their stories and life lessons will inspire all sorts of ahas for you too. Okay, time to start the class. Material world, our stuff. I thought I would kick off this journey on month two. This is where we are co-facilitating this journey. Christina is a co-pilot for our next four weeks. By co-facilitating, what I'm looking to do here for all of us is to help us step up and practice our leadership skills. And I asked Christina to just be the guinea pig for the first chapter so that you can get a sense of how I will help you co-facilitate when it comes your turn at the wheel, if that makes any sense. So, Christina, welcome to the co-pilot seat. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) And ladies and gentlemen, if you look out of the left-hand side door, anyway. uh, (laughs) Today I'd like to share some stories. I'd like to hear stories from each of you regarding memories of physical stuff, things. You can touch it, taste it, see it, smell it, hear it. And I thought I would kick off with a story of my own and to help you get a sense of the grounding that this chapter can help us all achieve. For all of the 80s and for most of the 90s, in my journey of becoming who I am, I fell into your typical American dream chaser, meaning the house, the car, the stuff, the whatever. And I can recall in the mid-80s having a chat with my home 
insurance agent, my, the policy for my townhouse. And, and I began to express my concerns that because of my passion to collect unique items, you know, did my insurance cover the, the replacement cost of this and that and the other? And he was like, well, no. And so I remember thinking, getting all freaked out. It's like, oh, my God, this place got burned down or if I got this stuff stolen or whatever. I mean, I want coverage, right? So we started taking out all sorts of riders. I began to realize that each time I called by a insurance agent, I think he probably had an orgasm because he knew he was going to get another commission on another rider. <laughs> I remember sitting there on one rainy afternoon looking at my checkbook and in the position that I was in as a sales consultant selling annuities to larger companies because at that time the whole concept of IRAs and 401ks and KEOs and SEPs and all of that stuff that we have today to help us set aside retirement funds, those didn't exist. In order to get a contract, the whining and dining I would need to do for your typical setting or client to get a contract signed, I would spend at least four to $5,000 a week on each client. And I was sitting there looking at my checkbook going, if I wasn't making between thirty-five dollars and $40,000 a month, I'm going to be on the streets. And if I didn't give the appearance that I'm making big money, when you're asking executives to sign contracts, whether it's going to be spending hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, you need to dress the part, right? Well, yeah, you absolutely do. <laughs> so here I am. I'm in my 30s and 40s, and my weight is already at the 200-pound mark at the beginning of the journey. And by the time I woke up and realized that what I was doing the money I was spending on collecting stuff and spending money on custom-tailored suits, I mean, to drop three to $4,000 on a custom-tailored suit, $500 on a, a fancy pen, all the accoutrement that when I approached an executive, they would give that look of, oh, this guy must know what he's doing. When it was all said and done, by age 33, I was close to 365 pounds and practically suicidal on the inside. From the outside, people thought I was living the American dream. I had a three-bedroom townhouse stocked with amazing things, taking extravagant trips at least once a month. I was living, quote, the American dream. And that all came to a close when I was sitting on my doctor's examining table, and he said, Sol, you basically need to be aware of that you're about 30 days out of being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and your family history shows that you're going to be probably stroking out before you're 40. Your call, your choice, what do you want to do about it? What do you think I did? I think you did a self-check and started making some lifestyle changes. I decided to sell the townhouse. And because over the years I had helped numerous people move, there were quite a few IOUs for moving. And so I decided to call in those IOUs. And, of course, everyone, oh, of course, we'll show up, we'll have this, we'll have that. So here it is, last day of the month, moving time, closing. The person coming who has bought the townhouse is coming by noon the next day. Everything had to be out. Everything had to be cleaned. The day of moving 
I had approximately like a, at least two dozen people wanting to show up, at least a half a dozen trucks. Guess what happened? No one showed up. Nobody showed. <laughs> Three people showed up. One person with a small, teeny tiny camper truck. The type that you had to take the little hatchback off the top in order to put stuff in the bed. And I'm moving from a three-bedroom townhouse into a one-bedroom apartment. The hell that I went through during that 24 hours was motivating me enough that <laughs> today I have two suitcases and a carry-on. Literally, that's all I have for my worldly possessions. I have two changes of clothes, two pairs of shoes. That's it. That's it. That's all I have to my name. <laughs> and I'm living a happier, healthier life now than I was doing when I was going through all of that crazy chase. So from a material world, I was very vested in how I looked, how I sounded, how people perceived me. I was very concerned about who came to my house to see what I had to show them. I was very concerned about the show. And when I realized that that show was killing me, I realized there had to be something more to this journey. Now, that's a pretty extreme story. This is not a competition. But as you share your stories about your stuff, what I want to open up to stories is, do you recall a moment in your journey where something had such prominent importance to you that if you lost it or if it was stolen or broken, your world may shatter, like your favorite childhood toy or your your blanket. Or <laughs> Are there stories that you recall about stuff, something that was given to you or that you acquired that you possibly placed more importance on than an individual? I believe that I had an attachment to some pieces of jewelry that were given to me by family. And, of course, that was really devastating when it got stolen. I can remember that feeling of, wow, I couldn't believe somebody did that to me, especially feeling that it was somebody I knew that did that to me. But it's funny because today I can't even remember what that piece of jewelry was. <laughs> that something because when I left Hawaii I basically left everything behind I packed a bag with some clothes and the clothes of course living in Hawaii they were all warm weather clothes and I'm on my way to Boston <laughs> I tried to give what I could to my children but basically it was a situation where I just needed to get off the island for at that point and I needed to be with my mom and my brother. It was kind of difficult to just pack things up and say goodbye to them for good, but I did it. I'll always remember that feeling. It took a while for me to really absorb what I had done. <laughs> I just left everything behind. When I got to Boston, I was like, 
wow, I wish I had brought this. I wish I had brought that. It's been years now. I don't even remember really everything that I had, and it doesn't matter anymore. It's kind of a freeing feeling that I don't have to worry about things. The only thing that I do want to have to make sure that is working for me is my computer right now. (laughs) It's so funny. It's just a freeing. It's an excellent point that you're making on your story is really an excellent example of really we always ascribe all kinds of importance and, and depth and meaning and we just think, oh, my gosh, without this picture, oh, my gosh, without this thing. But literally when you do without it for a little bit, like you don't even think about it. <laughs> you don't even yeah. recognize that you're, you miss it at all. You understand that, that really it's not about this thing. Yeah. I started realizing what is the most important to me are relationships, people. That is really what happened. That's what I'm enjoying more is having relationships with people and friendship, people to talk to because if I don't have that, but I also appreciate my downtime, the times that I'm alone because then I'm really talking to my inner self. It made me appreciate the people in my life, definitely. Does anybody else have any other great stories? That was a fantastic share, Marsha. After my divorce, I was in my early 30s, and I was still living in town, working two or three jobs, still couldn't hardly pay your bills. So I decided I was moving to Tennessee from Virginia. I had, and Christina can attest to, that I like furniture. And I had a huge apartment full of unimaginable amounts of furniture. So I called everybody I knew and said, come on this day, take what you want. I went through boxes. I had boxes of things from my childhood. Like I had love letters from the third grade. I kept everything. And I got rid of all of that. And when I moved, I had a box of clothes, a couple pieces of little furniture, and that's it. And I moved to a town where... I knew one person, and it was very freeing, very freeing. Of course, now I have a lot of furniture. (laughs) In my place in my life right now, I'm realizing that I don't really need all this stuff because it clutters up my life and clutters up my mind. So I'm in the process of going through things and getting rid of things giving away things and trying to have a more simple space. That is a wonderful teaser into our discussion this week. I know I personally have found going through doing the exercise this week, of course, this is something that I've known about myself all my life. I am not a person who is particularly anchored in stuff and things and the emotions of it to the point where sometimes I can even come off cold and not understanding because I, for the life of me, don't understand why people fall apart when there is when a picture gets torn or when something gets broken that heirloom is lost or something like that. Like, I don't get it because, to me, it's the memory of the relationship with that person that's the most important thing, and I have that. The thing is something that just literally collects dust for the most time. So I'm not a person that's ever been able to understand the connection to things. That said, I can look around me, And I can say that I've had a struggle with this week's exercise because there's so much stuff and clutter that I can't even see 
<laughs> what are the things that matter the most to me? I mean, the things that I really put a lot of value on would probably be my like my technology or something like that, and they're always in my hand. But I think about, for example, something that kind of ties into last week's discussion was the importance of getting a, an education from college. I had two bachelor's degrees, and they, okay, I got those, and I didn't really have that huge emotion to it. Like when we were going over the trophies and everything, I was like, okay, so I got that with next. So then I got a couple of master's degrees, and I got that with Smith. Ask me right now where my diplomas are, and I can't tell you where the heck they are. It's not a big deal to me. I rarely even talk about them. So why was it so important, those things? And it goes back to the importance of what it stood for to other people, not me. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. When you're in the throes of getting a degree, which I've been called a professional student, it feels important. And then once you cross the stage or you get that piece of paper, there's an immediate letdown because you wonder, okay, what am I doing next? Yeah, I can concur with that. In fact, I only got as far as my associate. I remember my counselor calling me up because this was the first time I ever went to school online, right, for college. He was congratulating me and telling me that out of all the students that started, I was the only one that finished. I was like, really? I really had a hard time realizing that. I was the only one out of all the people that were in that class situation that finished and got that associate's degree. At that point, I didn't want to continue after that. I did not want to go for my bachelor's. It wasn't my passion or my desire. And I only did that really to prove something to myself, I think, that I could do something like that because all my sisters and brothers had their degree right after high school. They went to college and they got their degree. So they followed that norm, whereas I took the different route and I got married. Hi, Julia, Patty, you guys are moms and grandmoms and and very passionate, family-oriented type people. I wonder if you have a quick story that you'd like to share before we move forward. I got my bachelor's degree. And I only got it because everyone says you want a better career, you want to make more money, you need to go to college, and so forth. It was like, I did it. It was nothing, like the actual physical certificate or degree meant nothing to me. It was more of the the professors and the, the students that we all helped each other out and so forth. That's what motivated me to continue to go to college. I remember walking on the stage and my, I'm looking down and my mom, she was so happy. I mean, I, I looked at her face and I was just like, why is she so happy? It wasn't a big deal to me, but to her it was, I guess, because she's instilled that in me because it was instilled in her the importance of getting an education, which I'm, I'm not diminishing it. It is important. Now the certificate means a lot to me because she's gone and she's passed away. So I hold on to that certificate because it's something that made her happy. So with that common theme, I think a lot of us have experienced just the importance of what things mean to other people. Let's dive into chapter one. Treat people as if they are what they ought to be, and you help them become what they are capable of being. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. And I thought that was a perfect quote to start off this chapter. Any ideas why I selected that quote to start off our journey on stuff 
Any insights? Stuff is our reference. We're working on the receiving, right? And stuff is our reference to value. We start learning at an early age how valuable stuff is. Even when we're playing in the little circle on the little colored carpet in kindergarten and we don't want to share the train with the kid next to us, we start indirectly learning stuff has value. Who has a story about a time you treated someone in a way based on what you saw of them, how they were dressed, how they were quaffed, what they were driving, where they were living, what they were eating. Who has a story about how you treated someone in a way that was based on what you saw? In my early 20s, I was doing an associate degree in Virginia, and there was a a woman, she was probably between 30 and 35. I saw her several times throughout on campus, and she was always perfectly dressed, her hair perfect, hair in an umbrella, makeup perfect. And at that time, I was was a little crazy in between. And every time I saw her, it just grated my nerves because I thought she was a snot. I thought she's got to be the snootiest person I've ever seen. Well, moving forward, we had a class together. And what I learned was that wasn't her at all. Yes, she was well put together. She was a beautiful woman. She seemed to have it all together, but she had the biggest heart for people and that at that time I had ever seen. And I grew to love her and realize in myself it was a lesson in judging the book by its cover. One of my first spiritual teachers, when we crossed paths, I thought he was a, a homeless bum. His clothes clearly had not been laundered in some time. In fact, when you took in a breath near him, you wondered when the last time he possibly bathed, let alone cleaned his clothes. His appearance, for all practical purposes, I wondered why he was looking at me. I thought he was some sort of pervert. I mean, he, you know, like, what does this guy want? I thought about sending him some referrals to a local charity so that he could at least get a shower and a shave. As time traveled on, and something inside me said, soul, shut up, put your judgments aside, listen to this guy. Turns out, he's one of the top 25 wealthiest people in the world. On his cell phone, he can call the leaders of this world, and they will take his phone call. He saw in me a potential lying dormant. And he wanted to know whether or not I wanted to wake up. This man could care less that he could buy and sell most of the billionaires in the world. He cares less. Money is not something that is impressive to him. What is impressive is what he can do with that money. He can do with that power. And thanks to him, he's helped countless people earn degrees, build and buy homes, become the people he knew they could be. And to this day, if you met this person on the street, if I threw a party and you saw this person at the party, you'd probably wondered if some stray man from the local shelter wandered into the party. Because again, he does not care about how he looks, how he presents himself, 
How many department stores exist today because of the name? Do you recall a story where you had to have a designer this or a designer that or something from if, if someone gave you a gift from store A versus store B, store A was a more prominent gift and store B was kind of embarrassing? It's weird you would mention that because when it comes to materialistic things, there's a pair of boots that I really, really like, and they're the Ugg boots. I don't know if you ladies know about them. And there's yes, this thing about Ugg. Yeah. But these boots are very expensive. You can either get them dry cleaned if you want. They have special cleaning for them. I cannot see myself spending $150, $200 for a pair of boots. So... When I look around, I see other women wearing similar boots. They, it looks like Uggs, but they're not because it doesn't have the, the logo on it. I won't purchase those anyway because they're not Uggs, but I won't buy the Uggs because they cost too much money. So I'll just sit there and look and see what's what. I just don't get it why I just won't buy them. That's interesting. So thinking about it, like growing up, I never had about a need for the label per se, but I do remember, and even now, it's like you were just saying, it's obvious when somebody doesn't have the label. So I wanted a Michael Kors bag. <laughs> and I don't think I realize it, and I can say this thing isn't important to me, but I've got nothing but labels. Now, I don't pay full price for these labels. <laughs> I don't get them unless they're extremely discounted next season kind of thing. But actually, I do pay attention to the label, and it's because I recognize what that symbol means to other people. That's that's really a good point. Anyone else? I do remember there was a Christmas party. My husband and I were going to attend for Continental Airlines because at the time he was working for them. I remember thinking, oh, I've got to have this dress that I saw in a catalog. I just have to have it. Of course, it was designer, but I couldn't afford that. But I did go and I had one made, a copy of it made, somebody who could actually make that copy of that dress for me. And I still felt good, <laughs> even if it didn't have the label. It looked beautiful. That's about the only thing that I can remember. When I did go shopping, I really didn't pay too much attention to the big name labels because I know I could not afford that. I basically, I think I would try to just look at things that look like they were well-made quality. And that was good enough for me. <laughs> just because I didn't want to buy something that was going to fall apart within a week. But I wanted to make sure that it would last a little bit longer. Yesterday, my husband said to me, babe, let's go out. I want to buy you a couple of outfits. I was taken back by that. Through this course and through everything that I've learned, we should receive. Not every day, my husband tells me I want to buy you an outfit. So I was like, let me take this opportunity and just be grateful for it. So we went out and bought himself some stuff. And he was just looking through like it was nothing. And I went immediately to the sales. I got some stuff on clearance. He asked it, anything in particular that you really, really like. And there was this one shirt in there. I told him, I said, but it's not on sale. I mean, he looked at me like I had a third eye. He was like, just get it. And I'm like, but it's not on sale. And he's like, you deserve it. And so I was like, okay. So I kind of felt funny about it, but 
I feel like I need to change my mindset to really believe that I am worthy of pretty much everything that comes my way. I shouldn't feel bad about it. He also gave me some advice. He said, why don't you just go shopping once a month and buy yourself an outfit so that you can get used to buying stuff for yourself because you deserve it. And you won't, when we do go, we don't have to go like in one big shot and spend four or $500 on everything. Because I think that's more traumatic for me, the amount of money that we're spending. But if I was to do it once every month, then I would get used to it. And I thought that was a great idea. My thing are shirts. I love shirts. I got, I walked out with like five or six shirts for myself. <laughs> Perfect segue into this week's exercise five. As we start to really start to examine worth, the reality check here is that so far off the, the, the chapter, very good for me, with a big question of are you worth it? Are you worth more respect, better health? more love, money, time, and wisdom. As, as you begin to do the work this week and start to think about worth, as Julius led us into the discussion quite well, let's start to segue and, and talk about just that question. Did you have a moment where you, you said yes but didn't really say, yes, I'm worth that? Did you really believe it? I will say it when I wear the shirt. <laughs> You'll see me on the videos wearing this pastel peach shirt. <laughs> I'm worth it. I love this shirt. <laughs> no, honestly, I, I think I have a lot of those moments. I'm still working through a lot of the things of whether or not I do deserve to go shopping. I always had in the back of my mind, as I went into my years after my divorce and that I was raising my kids, my sister's kids, when I, I'd go shopping, if I went to pick something up for myself, there was always that guilty feeling, so I would always put it back because I had to provide for the kids first. That was always my first thought. As I've grown into my older years here, I think I've developed that habit, so I really, I don't take time to go shopping for myself. I settle for what I have, and I leave it at that. It, it's really interesting to listen to these stories and and know that there's a way to break through this so that I can come out and actually go treat myself to something. But most of the time, it, it does, Christine, it comes to that, do you feel that you're worth it and you deserve it? Yeah, because in, in general, we'll, we'll say, yeah, I'm worth that. I know I'm worth that. I, and I, I'm not going to speak for everybody else, but I'm going to say for me, I will say, yeah, I'll, I'm worth it. I'm worth all of that. I know I deserve all of that. But then when I think about the things that I do or the things that I don't do, the things that I hesitate or the things or the just the internal discomfort with receiving, then clearly there's a question of worth there. We were talking about the last week's discussion or and the week before that when it came to even setting aside three hours a week for us to do the work of this book, the exercises in this book. And there was that. I don't dedicate the three hours. I don't dedicate that. Why? Because there, I have to clean the house. I have to see about this. I have to see about that. I have to whatever. Somebody made a phone call. I have to do this. Whatever. Even in not being able to set aside three hours, then I have to say to myself, there's something about that that speaks to worth. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I want to really focus in on that. Who feels overwhelmed right now? I do. Be honest. A little bit, yes. Mm. yes. I do. <laughs> yes. 
I feel overwhelmed. It's a new feeling, so I have to tell you, this is this is a new feeling for me to feel like I am worthy. Like this is something mm-hmm. that I deserve. This, this it's been a while, so this is very overwhelming. But it's a good overwhelm. Feeling worthy or deserving for me has always increased the feelings of guilt. Mm-hmm. I agree. Gee, I wonder why I did the ground rules at the beginning of our journey. Hmm. <laughs> you all could go, oh, just shut up. <laughs> so I'm going to remind each of you, I would like to see your canceled check for $100 trillion to a charity of your choice for each time you choose to feel guilty. Oh, you know, I let that slip my mind. You know, that's something I really need to start focusing on. It is absolutely writing those checks. Good thing I just started new checks. <laughs> I guess I could do this, and, and they won't feel this way. And oh no, wait a minute, I don't have that check. <laughs> Let's rewind this. <laughs> So in this week's water cooler, I ask you all to get real with yourself. If you have not scheduled three hours a week, at least, for our journey together, you're shortchanging yourself. What's up with that? As you read exercise five, did you go, oh, God, I don't have time for this? Yeah. <laughs> it's a long yeah. one. <laughs> so I was like eight, eight steps. <laughs> I was like, did I miss an exercise? Did I go too far? Because it was like 10 pages and I got to get used to it. <laughs> well, for me, I looked at, at the exercise and I said, oh, dear, address books. Hmm. (laughs) appliance auto and related gizmo oh my goodness well i don't have to worry about that because i don't have appliances (laughs) now i i understand because the previous exercises they were maybe two pages so when i was reading i'm going did i pass an exercise did i go too far but i could see why you're saying three hours because it's a lengthy part of the chapter going back over a lot of things in your life you want to jolt your memory with because I don't have things really but now I have to use my brain to think what family heirlooms and ancient treasures well they're really right here in my home I see the family heirlooms for sure (laughs) when I was raising my children of course that's all past was hoping that my sister was able to go and get some of the things that I left behind. And one day I did see that my niece was wearing a dress. She took a picture. She was wearing a dress that I left. And that was actually a family heirloom. It was passed on from my mom to to me, to my sister, to, to her. So it was kind of nice to see that. <laughs> As you can tell, this is a treasure hunt. It's yeah. really important you all get in touch with your treasures. I'll never forget the first time I did this. I got these bright, effervescent, like blaringly, shockingly colored post-it notes. You know, the lime green and the cherry red and the the fusion blue. And I went into one room and I put a post-it note, a blank post-it note on each item that 
I thought I treasured. And then I just sat in the middle of the room. I just continued to turn around and around and around. And I realized my room wanted to talk to me. My room wanted to speak to me. It wanted to tell me, look, you've created this bank of treasures that's surrounding you. What does this mean to me? And as I got in touch with what that book that was given to me by so-and-so, what that vase was given to me by so-and-so, what that particular piece of art that I bought on a trip with someone who I was dating, it really struck me how grounded my sense of self was in stuff. And what would become of me if this place burned down? It struck fear into me, thinking, my God, I could lose who I am if this place burned down. And that really scared me. we got plenty of time to talk about stuff. We're going to be doing this now for the next three weeks. I'll close with this. I want you to imagine if right now you smelled smoke in the room and you had to throw the phone on the floor and grab something, what would you grab right now? Each of you who wants to go first. I would grab my child. I would grab my dog. Yeah. I would grab my dog and Christina. (laughs) (laughs) You'd have to grab me because I'd be out the door. (laughs) Absolutely, my dog. I'll be talking about you better come on, Chelsea. Come on, Mom and Daddy. I've got the dog. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it would be be the living beings in my house. <laughs> Maybe I'll grab a shirt or two, but that's it. <laughs> well, you know, I have a bag that has the important documents that I would need definitely for whatever I needed to, to do in life, and it's all in one bag. It's my definitely my U.S. citizenship, <laughs> my passport, all that. It's just all in one bag, and it, I know exactly where it is, so that's the only non-material thing I would be grabbing other than that. Uh, it yeah. would be the people, the, the people in the house and the, and the animals. <laughs> I used to be afraid of that, too, like losing or we get a flood or we get a fire, the birth certificates, the social security card, the wedding certificates. So my husband and I, we got a a small boat that's uh, fireproof and also waterproof. So I definitely would need that because I know that's going to be okay in the end. But that would have been something I would worry about also. But so this is an interesting thing. This is one of my first aha moments in, in this exercise. Because for me, I realized that all these things, you know, my home, car, all these things are great. But when I really get to exploring them, instead of analyzing them, when I really explore them, my post-it note on it would be burden. That's the word that I would put on it because of the stress that I feel keeping up with it, keeping it being able to pay for it. Absolutely. So I don't know that I have an overwhelmingly amazing good feeling about any of my treasures because all of my treasures, other than the relationships with with people or my animals, all of them feel like a burden. As you continue to talk about this, my goal with this chapter is if you shortchange yourself by not doing the work in this chapter, 
It's like you've decided to put a sand foundation on our journey versus a concrete foundation on our journey. This first step that we're taking on our journey together is so important because every material item we have is a relationship. What is that relationship? I asked you all to be a what versus a what in our journey. An explorer. Yes. Versus an analyzer. Can you see how I could easily take you down the rabbit hole if you decided to become an analyzer in this? (laughs) (laughs) As you explore your treasures, where did that treasure come from? Where did it originate? What are the relationships around it? What are the relationships you want to have with it? As we get more into this journey through our next three weeks, you're going to really find yourself having some extraordinary ahas about who you are. Excited? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Very, very, very excited. <laughs> so, ladies, so I gave us a great segue into the reason that I shared my emotions about the treasure hunt is because I think so important to drive home the importance of being an explorer versus an analyzer because it would be so easy to, to say, I put a post-it note on this and, and this is what I said and stay in the analysis mode. It wasn't until I allowed my explorer to come out that I realized that I have this burden when it comes to these things that I feel. So I'm curious, as you were going around doing your treasure hunt and in the first three steps of the, of the treasure hunt, if everybody would just take a second and just share, how far were you able to get with that, those first three steps before you started feeling something profound and what was that? profound thing that you started to feel and think. Look at the first three things. I knew already as far as manuals and paperwork, that was going to be overwhelming because I'm the type of person, I get a piece of mail and it just gets piled in a corner. I need to really clean out. Going through that list, like you start to know a little bit about yourself, <laughs> definitely. But as you're speaking about it, I wonder if you got if you, actually got to the point where you actually explored yeah. or were you still in analysis mode? I don't think I got fully to that exploration of it. I just mm-hmm. looked at it and tried to uh, imagine the feelings that I had on that day when I got that diploma, looking at the picture of my grandparents, wishing that I had been able to meet my grandfather before he passed away, and just things like that. When that happens, too, when you're looking at pictures, like, for example, my grandparents, then I'm going to go in and ask my mom more questions about her family. So I haven't quite done all the exploring yet. I was going through and looking at the materialistic things that I have and if they had any importance to me. They pretty much did my bedroom set. This I'm very, very proud of because I worked very hard and I saved a good $7,000 to get this bedroom set. I didn't want to have a payment plan or anything like that. And I still have it. It's been about 10 years. Looking at the furniture, I, it does remind me of how hard I worked to get this and how proud I am of myself. So even the pretty much my dining room set is everything that I wanted. So the furniture itself, I'm very, very happy with. It explains why I take so good care of it. We go on through life and every day is a different day, but we come into our homes and we just lay down. I, at some point, I stopped 
thinking of how even a piece of furniture can bring so much joy to your life because it's something you worked for, something that had meaning, something that I actually liked and wanted. Going through the furniture and putting the stickers on it, I was just like, yeah, I still want this, I still want that. Pretty much my house doing this, I realized that my house is the way I want it. And it gives me the time to sit down and actually enjoy it because I was so consumed with life. I didn't, I wasn't able to enjoy the things that I had and the things that I worked hard for. So doing this treasure hunt, very grateful for it. So as we were going through and putting up the post-it notes and putting real-world words to describe feelings, the price of those things, all of those things, as you were going through that, who got to the point where any themes or trends or hidden treasures that you discovered? I don't know about trends, but I wanted to share one of my things that I found during my exploration. The first thing that came to my mind as far as priceless possessions was my mother's wedding band. And as I explored that, I realized the cost of me having this wedding band was that she died and that I'm so attached to this because it represents a connection with her, but it also represents the sadness and the grief that I've gone through over the last almost six years. And it's amazing how, as I explored that, that I realized that this simple 14-karat gold wedding band, yes, was a connection to her, but it also was a connection to all, the, all that grief. So now I have to decide what to do with that. <laughs> hmm. Did you associate that as a hidden treasure in some way? And then that pain uncovered some stuff to deal with so that it will help you move forward, right? Absolutely. I slowly, I had a, a bag full of her clothes. I don't know why I had that, but I finally, I went through that, and I washed things up to give to some of my patients at the nursing home. And then I had three dead roses in a vase in the bathroom that came from her grave, and I've gotten rid of that because all it was, it was a reminder. So I think the last thing for me is her wedding band, and exploring that has been very painful, but very aha. As I was exploring, I found a hidden treasure about my grandfather that my aunt had put together this book, and she put together all these pictures and a whole story about the Irish side, my grandfather, where he came from. This, to me, is a treasure because I'm terrible with dates and everything else. What she put together was so wonderfully made, and all the pictures of my past of relatives that I never met. And even there was a picture of me and my family in here. So so these are some memories that I do have of my childhood as well as parts of my family heritage, which was very interesting because I didn't really know about this. As I was going through a box, the closet, I just pulled it out and found it. And it was pretty amazing to read about my grandmother and my grandfather and all that. These are things I never knew. Mm. So, Patty, as you're just looking around or just thinking about things around you or anything you wanted to share? Most of the things I have now are more recent due to situations in my life where I pretty well had to start over a couple of times. So I've lost a lot of the memories and things that I carried through from my childhood and from my grandparents. And I've lost all of that. I've lost, I mean, the sentimental value in my heart is still there, but I no longer hold possessions like that in my hands. 
So the things that I have right now are things that I've just accumulated in the last three or four years. I mean, I've been able to hold on to some pictures from my kids and stuff like that, but a lot of my things from the past, and they're pretty well gone. <laughs> yeah. I remember when my grandmother passed away. I flew to Florida to go to her home and say she was an artist, and she had this one room just full of all her work. There was this one painting that I wanted, so beautiful, and it has, she had her name and everything on it. My aunt, her daughter, yeah, I guess she must have thought I, I was still a little girl because so much years had passed by. She flat out told me, you know, you cannot have that. I don't know what happened to me, but I wanted that picture. In the end, I walked away with that picture, and I flew back to New York with that picture. It had so much meaning to me because I remember her showing me how to paint, and I remember her letting me know that that was her passion and how much she, it brought so much joy to her. To see that picture, it like reminded me of what she was showing me, and that was the end result. I just wasn't going to let anyone take that from me not even her daughter. When we're all eating dinner, she's there with us because I have that beautiful picture of what she created and what she made. It's something that I'm very happy to have with me. It's just the one thing that I have of her. You know, the same thing with my mom. I have some jewelry of hers that a lot of them I got rid of, but the ones that did mean a lot to her, I kept with me. Those I want to give to my little one when she grows up. It means a lot to me. Go back to just the beginning of this chapter. Does everybody have a, a, a different sort of outlook on the importance of this chapter and what we're really working with? Again, it's a matter of understanding that we're setting the, the foundation for our house. Like Soul was saying, if it's built on sand, it's not very stable, right? So there's an importance of really doing the work in this exercise to really set our foundation so that we can start to move forward. I think it's safe to say that as we go into this next week, everybody want to take more time and go back through and start to really do this treasure hunt with an explorer's heart, right, with an, an analysis mindset. And think about it as it relates to our beginning and journey and, you know, pay me what I'm worth. Something I know I personally started off with a, yeah, I want to be paid what I'm worth. Like, whoa, what is it that I hesitate to ask for the sale? What is it that... It's holding me back in my business. And so quickly in this journey, I recognize this book is not about the currency because the currency will come. It's that self-worth, being able to receive, being able to give, that will get you over that hump in your business, right? So as it relates to being paid or worth and moving forward in this process, if you don't feel confident and worthy, this is page eight, if you don't feel confident you're worthy, people won't pay you what you're worth. People sense your doubt, plain and simple. They sense your doubt. So the work we're doing in this chapter, in this exercise, is very important setting the foundation for being able to truly feel worthy. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. Yes. Absolutely. A lot of it's about recognizing what we put our work on, what we put it on other than ourselves. Because if you think of only material things, your worth is attached to material things. So this is a great exploration chapter for sure. Through this chapter, I learned that if I was to move, would I take these things with me? It just leads me to, to feel that what I have possession of, yes, I would take it with me. Because we move, we have boxes and clutters of things and paper, with trophies, everything that we, we discussed 
if you sit back and say, well, if I move, would I take this with me? Then it just gives you in- insight to what you value, what you can't get rid of, and just remove that clutter out of your life and take what you value, what represents you, what makes you shine. That's you know, I think that's, that's another reason why a journal is such a great thing because, man, if you only had a journal, you a, a collection of all your moments that really you had certain feelings about things, objects, places, things, that is such a great way to just jolt your memory. You'll never forget those things. And it's so easy to just grab that and you've got everything because I know for me, I don't have all those. That All that past is gone. It's just in my memory right now. The, the moments that I got a trophy, the moments that I got recognized for something. For me, I think it's important just to understand that doing the work is important. The, doing this work and doing it truly exploring, because when you think about what, these, what this treasure hunt is all about, for me, it sums it up. These, these post-it notes, the stack of words, or thought that you would take along when you're doing this treasure hunt, if you really look at it, that stack is what you value. It's what I value. So it's important to understand what I value to even understand where to start with the, the whole question of work. Where do, what do I really value? I really think that that's important to keep in mind. And I encourage everybody over as we're going to next weekend to exercise six, we're getting ready to start working on our one-page passport in Exercise 6. And for me, I don't think that it's possible unless I certainly set some tie to time to go back through and work on Exercise 5 again with an, a, a real good explores my um, heart and dive into understanding what my values are, really putting this, this post-it note and understanding what my value currency is so that I can work on my work passport and exercise six. Anybody have any parting thoughts before we end the call? I have a feeling that this entire year is going to be such just one big aha moment for all of us. And sometimes, you know, this exercise just seems so big, but when you get down to the meat of it, it's more than just exploring. It's really learning who you really are. Awesome. Absolutely. Joy, any parting thoughts, Patty? I just feel like this exercise not only helps clear the materialistic clutter that we have, but it helps us clear the emotional clutter, which is far more important than that of materialistic things. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And once you can clear those emotional clutters, you can have more clarity to where you are and how you can help others and where you stand as a business owner. And that's where you're going to be able to excel and help other people. Absolutely. I think this was a great call. I'm happy to have had this this time with everybody this morning. Look forward to next week's discussion and, and communicating throughout the week. Anybody have any questions or comments before I end the call? No. I, I have a question. The hour and a half on Thursday, is that part of a three-hour commitment? <laughs> this is what I'm gonna, I, how I'm going to answer that one, Julia. This is your journey. So you have to make the decision what time you're going to dedicate to the process. So if you want that to be part of your time, certainly. Uh, if not, again, this is your journey. 
you're going to get out of it what you put in it. So everybody has to make that decision on their own. I know for me personally, I think it's so important that I get past some of the emotional feelings that I recognize about myself in doing exercise five. I'm pretty sure that I'll be putting more than three, three and a half hours in this week. I will be shocked if I'm not putting it five, six hours in on just doing this work because I think it will take that for me just to get through and really go back through exercise five and make sure that I got everything that I possibly can out of this first chapter. Good question. Anyone else? I'm with you on that one. I see me putting in a whole bunch of time this week. <laughs> <laughs> three three hours, I would say, is, is the bare minimum. If we really want to get past all these emotional barriers and things that are blocking us. So now we should really, like you said, you what you put in is what you're going to get out of it. The more you put in, the more you're going to get out. That's for sure. Christina Irvin here, and I want to thank you for joining us as we continue to explore worth as it relates to life's abundance. If you resonate with this discussion and know that it's time to make a change, we start new teams on the first Saturday of every month, and I encourage you to take action now. Until next time, you have a great day. To get involved in Christina's classes, call her at 423 737 5809. Again, Christina number is 423-737-5809 to learn how you can join one of her upcoming groups. Aloha.